You're listening to the Arrowhead Live Podcast Network. Thank you, Kansas City. We did it, baby. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Aftermath Podcast, episode 23. Man, does time fly. AFC Championship version of this week's episode as we get ready to go over the Buffalo Bills travel to Kansas City, you take on the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead. I am your host, Christopher Tenpenny, joined by my host, CJ Jones. CJ, what's up, my man? What is up, my good buddy, Chris? It was a hell of a game, man. The Chiefs stressed me out, man. I almost had a heart attack. But Right, right. Like, before we get into the Bills game, that Browns game, man, that that was a crazy game. Like, there's, like it never felt like the Chiefs were, because they led the entire game. But, like, the amount of stress and stuff that came into that game, it was just, with all the things that happened, it was just absolutely crazy for fans. Bro, that game – and, I like, we talked about this during our last episode. Like, we're just great for ratings because every game we play, it's <laughs> either, like, a crazy ending or something in the middle of the game crazy happens. So, we're good for Chiefs Kingdom and we're good for NFL ratings. So we're just good for everybody. We're just great for business. So, anytime the Chiefs are on, everyone's going to talk about it. So, it's just – we're just good for – we're good for business in general. <laughs> Right, no, it's it. I think they broke like a record for like most one consecutive wins by one score or whatever. Or I guess they would have had that Chargers game not been. I think that's what kind of, but like still, the amount of one score games has been ridiculous. But like they actually have an excuse for this one, right? They have an excuse for why this was a one score game. I mean, I mean, I mean, it's like both of our because the last time we don't have any like like 10 point wins this year, don't we? Like all of our games have been like nine points or, or fewer. Well, the like, Jets like, game, we blew like, the doors off the, Jets, blew the door. We blew the doors off the Broncos. Um, I'm trying to think of who else, but like, there's a couple games in there, but now those were back at the first half of the year. But I'm just saying, the Chiefs have an excuse for this week not covering, not not winning by the ten plus that they were predicted because, uh, as you all are well aware of, I'm sure Patrick Mahomes left with around eight minutes left in the third quarter with what looked at the time as a possible concussion man dude what what did you what was the reaction when you were watching that game man like I, for the first half of the game i wasn't really shocked by the, the way that it was transpiring like we said during the game it could it could it could have been close like we know cleveland's gonna run the football try to keep it low scoring their defense played really well better than i expected because they weren't letting the chiefs really get off like they really like they usually do to a lot of defenses uh the game was really close and obviously it was close going into the third quarter and then obviously the injury to pat happened and that scared a lot of people i mean up being up 19-3 at that point um, you, you feel pretty confident in the fact that you can get a win. But anytime you lose your MVP quarterback, that changes a lot of things because Cleveland was driving down the field. They scored a touchdown. Like, all right, it's 13, it's 19 10. We can, we can still hold on to the game. And then they come back and then they score again after we turn the ball over. So, and it was just a lot of emotions up and down. I mean, everyone was upset about whether it be the hit that Sorensen did, the pick that Chad Henney threw, or Pat Mahomes taking the, the crazy hit itself. People thought that should have been a flag. So it was just. Harrison Buck kicker missing kicks. Don't get me started on him. Um, it, was, it was a lot of things, a lot of emotions going up and down. I was all over the place, bro. I was, in, I was an emotional wreck the whole game. <laughs> yeah, I was very vocal for the first, uh, what would have been like around 40 minutes of that game. And then I just kind of uh, was quiet for the rest of the third quarter when Mahomes went out. Like, I, I didn't have a reaction. I didn't like yell at the screen. I was just like, 
sat there and saw him like, did that really just happen? Like it took me, it took me the the remaining eight minutes in the third quarter to really process what had actually happened because I couldn't believe that in a game this important where we were playing fairly well, like you said, there were a few mistakes, but like fairly well, and the best player in the planet goes out with an injury on. Yeah, I mean, I I it was I was so slow to process it. Like I wasn't even like yelling at a bat or a poor hit on. Uh, Mac Wilson, which looking back on it, it probably should have been 15. It probably should have been the first uh, automatic first down 15 yards because that was just a little bit of excessive, you know, around the neck head area, which are, they're always trying to say they're trying to protect. Um, and the refs missed a couple of those calls both ways. So like, am I mad they didn't call it? No, but like looking back on it, I didn't even realize that that was even controversial because I was just like watching Patrick Mahomes stand up and then try to stand up and then just like n- not yeah, being able to over. and just <laughs> wobbling over like just it literally just slowed my brain all brain down to a complete stop and like I just couldn't process what was happening for the rest of the third quarter. No facts. When he when he took that net when he took that hit, I didn't think it was that bad. I thought he was actually gonna get up and start like yelling to the ref and complain for a call when he was sitting down. I was like, is he okay? And then they right. went over and picked him up, and he wobbled. I was like, "Oh shit, maybe he is probably." <laughs> uh-huh. So um, when he ran back, I actually I didn't think it was a concussion because I we all saw the play. I thought he just grabbed him around the neck. I didn't really see his head slam mm-hmm. to the ground, so I knew he was wobbly. But I just thought that was because he like maybe like like everybody thought he got choked or he like got hit in the stomach or lost some air or something for a second. So for him to not come back to the game, um, once they called it a concussion, I was like, "Oh boy, if you're in the protocol, you're done. They don't never put a player back in the game." If they even the slightest thought of you right. having a concussion, so I knew once they said it was a concussion protocol, I'm like, oh, he's done. He's not coming back. So um, it definitely scared a lot of us. But credit to Andy, Eb, the whole staff, the defense for stepping up, Chad Andy for making plays when he had to. They definitely uh, finished the game. They did that for they did that one for Pat for sure. Yeah, and like um, it seems like they're optimistic about it. I mean, okay, because like you said, like his head never got slammed. It doesn't appear to be an actual concussion. It seems to be more like he pinched a nerve or that it was, you know, that he was choked out and lost some uh, blood flow to the brain. That's why he was wobbly. But there is also, I've, I've heard some uh, rumors just like, or not, not necessarily rumors, but possibilities that it is, it is possible to have a concussion like through your spine or something like that. Like it's something crazy. Apparently Sidney Crosby had it nine years ago or whatnot that kept him out a while. So like you can't completely rule out a concussion or concussion like symptoms. Again, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know exactly what, how you would have it through the spinal. I just know that that's a weird injury. Again, form, famous hockey, hockey player, Sidney Crosby had, but like, again, it looks like he's going to find the chances of him playing in the, in the game against the Bills Sunday is probably like 95%, but we'll just have to learn more. He has to keep, there's like five steps to this, protocol and we'll just have to watch every day and see kind of how he progresses i'm sure the chiefs will do as good of a job as they can especially if he's uh progressing positively on keeping us informed because it's just going to be the biggest story all week no everyone's going to be talking about it nonstop until we know no, for sure. I, I was listening to 6 10 a.m all past couple of days so they've been talking about the same thing about past injury and is he going to play the general consensus is that everyone thinks he's going to uh, make the game mainly because He's obviously he is the Chiefs. Like he's the he's the he's the cover. He's the fanboy. He's the leader of the NFL right now. So if he doesn't play, the ratings immediately go down. The attention for the game immediately goes down. The juice of the sizzle. Everything for the AFC Championship game is really almost essentially gone. If number fifteen is not on the field, so. Um, but there has been good news over the past um, twenty four hours. He's been passing most of his tests. 
So you have to continue to pass those tests, obviously, which we all hope he does. But for the past two days, last night and today, he's been passing most of his concussion protocol tests. So he should keep following policy and keep sticking to the rules and doing listen to the coaches, listen to the training staff. And I think I think everyone mostly agree that he should be able to play this game because the hit wasn't vicious. But we won't get that full answer until about Thursday, Friday after the practice report. But for most people, I think we all think that. I'm sure if you ask any Buffalo Bills fan or the players, they're preparing Patrick Mahomes to play. They are not thinking for one second that he's not going to be on the field. So I, I don't think any, anyone in the, in the country right now thinks that that number 15 won't be on the field on Sunday. Right, right. It had to be something. Uh, it, he just have to, it had to have been an actual concussion and him not progressing for that to happen, which, again, doesn't look like either one of those are happening right now. So definitely positive. But let's get back to the actual game. You know, Pat goes down and uh, Mr. Chad Henney steps in. And I, I have very mixed feelings about Chad Henney's game. But at the end of the day, he made a couple of huge plays that got the Chiefs to win. You know, that that third and 14 scramble where he got 13 and a half yards, like apparently 15 years ago, he ran like a 4.8 or 4.9 at the combine. Mine, it looked like he was moving faster than that, man. Like, it looked like there was something inside Chad Henney that just, like, let him sprint down that sideline and almost pick up that third down. And then we all know what happened next. Tony Romo's screaming at the TV saying, oh, look, the Chiefs aren't actually doing anything. They're just trying to get it offside, yada, yada, yada. Snap the ball real quick, sprint out right, first down Tyreek Hill ball game. It was just – it was a – Heck of a call by Andy Reid. Heck of a uh, run and throw by Henny. You know, great move. Like, it was just everything that needed to happen on that drive worked for perfection. And uh, you got to give you gotta give Chad Henny some props. He did what he was supposed to do. No, Chad Henny definitely did his thing. I mean, did anybody expect him to, to come and be ready to play? I know I didn't. But <laughs> like you said, any given Sunday, you have to be ready at any moment, especially being the backup quarterback. If anybody should be ready to step in and step up, it's him because he's the most important position on a team if anyone ever gets hurt because you're the guy that always has to be ready for an X-Man up mentality. Backups usually play and get a lot of snaps. That's why depth is very important. That's why making like decisions on who's active and who's not active for playoff games is so key. But for the quarterback, I know they don't really give them a lot of reps. Like I guarantee you during this past week, Chad Henney was probably doing a lot of scout team reps for pretending to be Baker Mayfield for the defense so they can get a good look. So um, for him to not really have that many reps in the offense – and this is why I heard a lot of guys talking on TV this morning that that week 17 game was very important for Chad Henney and for the Chiefs offense because if he'd ever played that game, he would have never had started a game in, yeah. in years. So mm-hmm. for him to have that whole game and to play the entire game, that was huge for him to get some in some live reps and some live snaps in a meaningful, well, kind of meaningful game so he could at least have the feel of a football, at least have that jitters and have that moment of playing in an actual NFL football game. So that week really was huge, and that was really – clutch for him to have those moments and obviously he wasn't perfect Sunday but um he made like you said he made the plays when he had to the scramble um the fourth down throw which a lot of people thought they were gonna let the clock run down and punt it I think mm-hmm. the general consensus we all thought he was gonna punt it because he motioned Daryl Williams out he came back in and then he's just walking and going slow for thinking okay they're just gonna try to get him off sides with a hard count and they ended up snapping the ball sprint right easy flat easy jab and flat route from uh Tyreek so a great call by Andy and EB. Um, great throw by Chad Henney. Way to make up for his mistake. I mean, and essentially the the interception is going to go on the stat sheet, Chris. But I mean, like essentially that's like a punt. You know, what I mean, or like right. a, a missed field goal, if per se. You don't want it to end in that way. But essentially, you're giving the ball in the end zone rather than giving them the ball in the midfield. So, yeah, and like um, you know, Chad, like you said, 
Chad Henney hadn't started the game since 2014, week three. Uh, he went four for seven that game, got injured, and that was when Blake Bortles came in and took over. Like, that was the last time that Chad Henney started a football game and, and uh, prior to the week 17 game. So, again, that was so huge. Um, you know, I was watching – Dan Orzlowski said today, like, every, while everyone else was saying the Chiefs, you know, aren't going to snap it here, they're going to use a timeout or take the delay of game or whatever. Uh, Dan Orzlowski said – as soon as Daryl Williams motioned out and that he could see it was man, he knew Chad Haney knew it was also man and that this play was going to get run because that's what the Chiefs were looking. If the Browns came out in zone, I don't know if that play gets called because that out route that Tyreek does doesn't work like that. But as soon as they were able to identify it was man, that play was getting called. They were going for it. Um, and, I mean, it's just a heck of a call by Andy Reid because here's the thing. I was tweeting about this earlier today. Like, after Chad Henney threw that duck of a pick, like, that was just such a terrible throw. I don't care what Andy said that about after uh, about it after the, the game or whatever, that, that was his play call or whatever. That was such a bad throw and decision on first and 25 when you were needed, like, five yards to be in field goal range. Like, it was so ugly. I was like, I was done at that point. I was like, let's just run the ball, get the clock, and make Baker get a touchdown. Like, just leave it into the defense's hands. That's not how Andy rolls. Andy has so much trust in whoever's out there. He doesn't care who it is. If it's the best player in the league or a guy who hasn't started since 2014, he's going to call the game the same. And not only did he have call a passing play on that fourth down one, he called a passing down on third down where that led to the Henny run. And he also called a passing play on second down where Henny got sacked. Like Andy called three straight passing plays and clearly running situations with your backup quarterback in the game on the line that's what he would have done with Mahomes. That's what he would have done with anyone in this offense. And he didn't play favorites just because Chad Haney was in the game. He called it like he wanted to, like he would have regardless. And that's why he has so much respect. That's why everyone loves Big Red. You know, prior to winning the Super Bowl, the knock on him was he never won the big one. But he was probably the most respected coach in the NFL. And that just holds so true because he just treats all of his players the same. He loves all of them and just literally believes all of them can accomplish whatever he asks them to do and whatever he's seen in practice. And so that uh, the game ball goes to Andy Reid on this one. Like that was just, that was just awesome to see. Oh yeah. When you, <clears throat> excuse me. No, when you lose your MVP quarterback in the middle of a third quarter, you obviously the, all the pressures on the coaching staff now, because now you have to get this guy ready who obviously wasn't getting enough reps to be a hundred percent ready for the game. Cause you have to do your scout team reps. And obviously that to call that play on four down, that has nothing but guts. That has nothing but heart. And determination and belief and andy said it in his interview today on the radio that he asked eb he asked kafka he asked the guys upstairs like everybody he asked coach mike like everybody that was on board like nobody hesitated because once they figured out that it was probably going to be uh short when he tried when he tried to run for the first down they immediately thought of a play and then he said nobody thought about punting everybody knew we were going to go for it so that just shows you like you said what kind of belief these coaches have um in, in big red but big red has belief in this team and the, and the players and the coaches as well. So everybody believes in each other. They have guts. Um, they just believe that they're they're never out of it. They're never going to not not believe in themselves. They're never going to back down from a challenge, whether it be fourth and one or whether it be third and 15. They're always going to be aggressive. Whether, and even if Chad Henney shouldn't throw that ball, that's the way Andy coaches. He's just aggressive. So um, I, I saw I saw a suggestion that a lot of people were thinking we should just start – if um, Harrison Bucker keeps having these uh, issues with kicking extra points, we should just start going for two. A lot. So they think Andy's going to be even more aggressive on that. I could actually see that happening more sometimes than not, especially uh-huh. if we have to meet up with a team such as the Packers or the um, 
or the Saints, whoever whoever comes out of the um, the NFC. You mean Bucks? Um, or not Saints, the Bucks. I'm sorry. Yeah, the Packers, Packers or the Bucks. Sorry. Um, but I, I could yeah, see yeah. them doing that maybe in a certain situation. I, I believe in Harrison. I know I know he's a good. I know he's a good kicker. Uh, I don't know why he has these moments of missing layups, but it's a, it's a part of the game. You're going to miss them. You just don't want those moments to be right now in the playoffs. But um, no, nah, Andy's always Andy's been an aggressive guy. We know he has so many plays in his bag, man, for like third and short, fourth and short, uh, bunch motions, dip motion, fly motion. He has so much stuff in, in it that he can call that him and Evie are comfortable with calling, especially with the playmakers we have. Even if no matter who the quarterback is, when you have guys like Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, one of those guys is getting double teamed and somebody else is going to get played one-on-one. So <laughs> you can't double team everyone. So that's why they were very comfortable calling that fourth and down play that they've called before in the Saints game as well. So it was definitely a familiar play for them. Yeah, and with Butker, like he's he's a top three kicker from forty plus and a bottom three kicker from thirty nine under. Like it just it doesn't make sense. The dude's so talented, um, but I, I don't see the whole two point conversion thing happening. I mean, it makes sense to me. You have this offense and teams already you know, convert two-point conversions at a 50% clip, you would imagine that the Chiefs would be higher than that, and they'd actually probably score more points. But it's just, it's too early into this analytic thing. It's too late in the season for Andy Reid to completely abandon that. Like, I just don't see it. I think I, I wouldn't mind it, um, at least especially trying, but like, especially if we came out maybe next year did it, but it's not going to happen with only two possible games left in the year. And again, Harrison Butker, he's, He's got one of the strongest legs in the NFL. Dude just has ice in his veins when you need him to. But unfortunately, third quarter, 33-yard field goals aren't maybe his cup of tea. Um, and the other thing, though, that kind of frustrates me, I, I already, I literally two minutes ago said Andy Reid gets the game ball. But I am still fired up about the fact that Andy Reid refuses absolutely refuses to run the quarterback sneak. Bro, I'm telling like, you, it's, it's deleted from the playbook. He doesn't know what the word quarterback and sneak even mean. Like, we saw we saw Drew Brees and Tom Brady run it twice each in the next game. We saw Baker May- Mayfield run it twice and convert. Like, it was on dis- it's on display all the time. And, like, the Chiefs haven't even called it since week seven of 2019 because Patrick Mahomes missed a couple games with the free kick injury like instead we're running these options with yeah it worked in the super bowl that was awesome it worked in the first drive of this game it was awesome but i mean teams aren't stupid like that's it that's a play you can defend that's a play you can know oh it's short yardage somewhere that's a play that we need to be prepared for you know what team well, you know what play teams are prepared for but still has like a 90 percent success rate the quarterback sneak like quarterback. it just <laughs> it doesn't need to be the go-to it doesn't need to be ran like Tom Brady runs it where like every time they that does it needs to be an option though. It needs to be something that defenses have to maybe crowd it a little bit. So if you run or run that option to the outside, your quarterback isn't getting his head thrown to the ground in a chokehold. Like that that's that's just what needs to happen. And so um that that's the only that's my biggest complaint is like again, I get it. Like there's some there's some scars anytime you call that play that, you know, we all felt that way. Well now what are you gonna do? Because you have some scars even worse now because it's happening in a playoff game and you don't know if your star quarterback's gonna be ready for the AFC championship game. That's worse to me than missing a couple regular season games. So they need to make a decision. They need to figure out what they want to do. You said it you said it yourself on Twitter, like if that means that Trav just needs to come in and just bust his way up the middle 
that's fine. I, if it works, it's fine. But they need to come up with something for a short yard situation because they're they don't they won't refuse to do the one way, and then the other way is actually more dangerous and easier to defend if you know it's coming. No facts. I, I honestly wholeheartedly believe that. I, I don't expect us to ever definitely for the rest of the playoff run. I don't ever expect Pat to be under center doing a quarterback sneak ever again. So like you said, that handicaps our offense. It definitely hurts us because like you said, the defense is never going to be threatened by it or have the fear of him getting under center and just literally falling forward for a yard. And we all everybody knows the numbers. When Tom Brady quarterback sneaks, he's like, hey, he has like an 80 or 90 percent completion rate on that play. Like every time he does it, essentially, it's, it's guaranteed to work. I don't think I've ever seen Ashley Tom Brady not get a yard on quarterback sneak. I don't think I've ever seen him fail to get what he needed. So um, we know how much of a high success rate to play is. You said that for for weeks and weeks and months to go by. Um, and Andy Reid knows that he's he's not he's not he's not stupid. He's not a dumb guy. Him and Eb, the whole coaching staff, the whole offensive guy, they all know how effective that play is. But essentially, with a play like this, it just adds on to the story of like you just said of Pat getting hurt whenever we run him. And a lot of the, a lot of the players. You can see we're visibly upset when they went to the sideline saying, why is he running, blah, 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 which I understand their frustration. But if the coach called a play, they stand by the play. They believe in that play. We've seen Pat. Pat scored on a touchdown during the first quarter when he ran an option to the right. So he's done it before. They run that play a lot, especially when they're under center because no one's expecting it. When mm-hmm. a shotgun, options are kind of easier to defend. When it's under center, it's kind of like, oh, he's not going to run like that. But Pat's low-key athletic when we need him to be in those short yardage areas. So. Is it frustrating to see him get hurt? Yeah, but it's a part of the game, Chris. Like, guys get hurt every play. You can get hurt any play. So to say you're just not going to call it because of injury, well, if that's the case, he shouldn't even be playing quarterback if you don't want to get hurt. Exactly. You can get hurt in any any football play. So is it, is it yeah. frustrating that they don't use a play? Absolutely, because if you do it, there's probably a lesser chance of likely of you getting hurt on that play than any other play. But obviously we all see what happened to his knee coming out of place and missing the couple of games that he had to. And now when he runs another play, to the right, he gets obviously gets hogtied by Mac Wilson, the linebacker, which they cleared up. They cleared the air this week. They said it was all good, no harm, no foul, stuff like that. So um, it definitely is. I know you're you're more passionate, more fired up about me, buddy. But I think the whole kingdom, we're just kind of like over. Like, man, if you're not gonna run it, then like I just well, like, that's I the thing. People people agree with Andy. They don't want they don't want him to run the sneak. They would much rather the do. And again, I don't have no issue with the option. I think the option play is great. Because it is definitely a dynamic thing. Pat's athletic enough. He makes the right decision. It fits a running back in space. There is a lot bigger chance of that option play on a short yard busting for a big play. But it can't be the only option. You know, the quarterback sneak has to be an option. And that's just where my frustration goes. No, I feel you. If they're not going to call the play at all, then there's no point in them never going under center on short yardage. So, right. no, I feel you. I mean, they right. got to do something. Whether it be, like I said, you can get in the shotgun and have Trav motion by. And then get under center and just snap it. I've seen I've seen people do that sometimes. Um, or if we're gonna go wildcat, like you know you can um, like snap direct snap it straight to the running back, and then he'll just run for it. Um, yeah, they're, they're after like you can spread them out and then just direct snap it to the running back. Or like we saw him doing the Super Bowl, the little shift when everybody did the little circle spin. Even not even that, you could just you can go muddle huddle like be in the huddle and then straight right. line, and then the running back is actually behind the quarterback and the quarterback is like offset and then just snap it to him and run for the first down as well. So. Um, or the jet sweeps work a lot too. Those work a lot too. But by the end of the day, like you just said, make a decision. Obviously, we're never going to hear that decision because we're not in the huddles. We're not in the locker room. But um, they definitely need to figure out what they're going to do on short yardage, whether it be quarterback sneak, wildcat, trav, quarterback, something. Just figure something out. 
Right. I know we spent a lot of time on this, so we're about to move on to the defense. Last thing I have to say, though, is as of right now, if I'm an opposing defense and it's fourth and one, I am taking my nose tackle, and I'm not putting him under sitter because I'm daring the Chiefs to run the quarterback sneak. Until they do it, facts. Until, Until they do, they do it, I'm daring them. Unless that's a huge situation. Obviously, if it's like fourth quarter at the goal line, Okay, maybe yeah, not. But if it's like at the midfield and it's fourth and inches, I'm pulling my nose tackle and f- putting somewhere, someone else somewhere and daring the Chiefs to quarterback sneak. That's just where I'm at. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll digress for right now. We'll, we'll get. I'm sure that we will be able to get into that at another time because that is one of the things I do get fired up about. How about that defense, man, though? How about that defense? 17 yeah. points. That's how you step up, man, especially when your star quarterback goes down and you have a – a 16-point lead, you need to figure out a way to get stops. Those guys figured it out. Obviously, they didn't. Uh, they, they held them to 17 points. Um, there were moments when the Wizards had played a little better, but overall, holding a team like that has been running the ball pretty well. I think Chubb and Kareem only combined for, what, 70 or 80 rushing yards? So the best running back tandem in the league held them to under 100 yards. Um, I think I know they averaged like five yards per they carry. They actually but. 101. It was just 101. barely got off. Right, right at 101. Right at 101. Yeah, yeah. So, just barely. But overall, it was a good day for the defense. I mean, they didn't really allow any big, big gaping runs. I know Chubb had a couple of good ones. Um, Kareem got it going on that last touchdown run they had, the last scoring drive. But overall, you didn't see them really dominating games like as they usually do. Because I felt Cleveland kind of abandoned the run with their rush attempts because I think they finished with under 20, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, overall for the game. I don't think they had that many rush attempts as they usually, they usually do. So um, for them to play action and throw the ball a lot more, um, you could see Stefanski was trying to be aggressive. And Baker played pretty well. Like, he made some good throws. Obviously, right. everyone wants to talk about the um, the throw to Higgins and, and, and then the uh, touchback play. But overall, I expected Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb to touch the ball a lot more. So I think Kareem only finished with six attempts. And um, I think Chubb finished with, was it uh, 12 or 14 attempts, I believe is what it was? 13, right in the middle. You're yeah, close. 13. That's so, nice. Yeah, for, for neither starting for neither running back that are both top 10 talents, for neither of them to get 15 to 20 touches was crazy to me. I definitely expected those guys to get more than their fair share of work. Uh, especially our defense being that our weakness is run defense. So um, I could definitely see the aggressiveness that Stefanski was trying to do. But to not give your best player on offense the ball at least 15 to 20 times definitely shocked me. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, we'll get into that Higgins hit here in a second. But as far as Baker goes, like he played a lot better than his stats maybe suggest. You know, I know it's only 200 yards and he did throw a pick. His quarterback ratings, a pedestrian 74.6. But he made some sharp throws. He had some great throws down the sideline. Imagine had Cleveland stuck to the run in the first half, and that would have opened up even more. Like, like they had 18 yards rushing at the half. That was it. That was all they had. They only called 19 design runs for the entire game, 18 runs at half. Like, we talked about it. You had to stick to your identity. Like, what Baker did in the passing game is what you needed to go along with that rushing game. You know, you couldn't become one-dimensional. And that's what they were in that first half, and that's why they were down nineteen to three, or sixteen to three, is because or it was yeah, nineteen to three half is because they were so one dimensional. Like they asked Baker to throw every down and refused to give the ball to their top two players, which are their running backs. And so I, I mean, Stefanski's a great young coach. He's going to win Coach of the Year, much deserved. Won a playoff game for the Browns, like deserves everything, but. The Chiefs just had this way of making coaches overthink everything, and that's what happened. It's the fans overthought it. Like, yes, you need to throw the ball against Kansas City, but you also need to do what you're best at, and that's what running the ball is. And, I mean, that's a big reason why I got out of hand. If, if Stefanski runs the ball six more times in that first half, gets maybe 40, 50 yards rushing, 
the Browns probably win that game when Mahomes goes out. Like if it plays out the same way, like they probably score, they probably win that game. But instead, eighteen rushing yards and uh, in the first half, and then they were playing behind. That's tough. No, yeah, definitely. Um, if that if that touchdown by Higgins, um, like if he doesn't fumble the ball out of the end zone, they go down and score. The game would obviously been a lot more interesting. But they still have plenty of plays after that where they could have made the game a lot more closer. So um, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, the time Matthew getting the pick to start the second half was huge. Um, he's easily the best middle field safety in the league for a reason. He's smart. We all know what we all know who the honey badger is. If you throw a ball over the middle of the field, I think his um overall target share rate, I think he was targeted, I think like they said like five or six times, and he allowed negative yards. So <laughs> Yeah, overall, he was ridiculous. Yeah, so overall nobody catches the ball on thirty two. We all know that, man. If you if you if you try honey badger, nine times out of ten is probably not gonna get caught. So um and we all knew they didn't have Odell Beckham Jr. So I'm not trying to take anything anything away. They've been playing better without him anyway. Which which is crazy because nobody thought that would happen. But everybody was saying this week in a big moment they needed a dynamic player on offense to throw the ball to. So I'm like, well, right. their offense looked pretty good without him. But overall, for the for the sake of the conversation, he he did not play. So would have, would have that changed things probably. But at the end of the day, defense balled out. They did their job, like you said, holding the three points. The majority of the game until the second half when they started getting to go on. The defense played really well against that rushing attack, stopping them. Two years in a row, we've stopped dominant rushing attacks. Last year, we held Derrick Henry to um, under his normal averages when he done when he was going in that crazy tear. And then this year, we slowed down the best running back tandem in Nick Chubb and and Kareem Hunt. So our defenses show up when they need to. Obviously, they give me and you some headaches when when we <laughs> see our linebacker play doesn't be as good as we think it should be. But for the for the for the play they had to make yesterday, Hitch is getting a big stop. On a, on third down when they when they when they started off the second half, um, obviously Damian Wilson made some plays. Overall, obviously we didn't have Willie Gay this week. Um, but overall, our defense made plays when they had to. Um, Sneed has been balling, playing out of his mind this year. Um, yeah, it's so good. It's like I know, like I know Chase, I know like Chase Young got defense rookie year, but if there was like a consolation prize, Sneed would definitely be in a conversation. He's been oh he's, definitely he's balling. Been so so um, overall, the defense the defense did their job, man. Guys played good. Um, Sorensen, regardless of the hit to make your way all the way over there to save the play from being a touchdown, regardless of the call is called or not, the hustle and the effort he showed in that play is not to be questioned. So um, regardless of the yeah, result. What were, you, what were your thoughts? Were you, did you think that was a dirty hit? Or not? maybe not dirty, but what did you, what'd you think as you saw the play happening? Um, my opinion was, was the hit dirty? I don't think it was dirty. I mean, I think anyone who knows Dan Sorensen as a person or as a player, he's not the type of player to have like a dirty history. So the, the hit was not dirty. With the hit head to head, I mean by rule and by 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 the picture, it was a head to head contact. Should it have been called, yes, but they didn't do it. I mean, but I've said that going into every big game, whether it be regular season or playoffs, there's always a missed call that's blatant. It happens every time. We had one when we played the Chargers, and Sammy and Sammy Watkins took a hit head to head, and they didn't call it. So it happens literally, whether it's week two or division around the playoffs, it happens all the time. That I say it going into every game, there's going to be a missed call. It is going to be blatant. Now, as fans or even as players and coaches, they're refs. They're human. They're going to mess up. Me and you mess up when we're talking on podcasts. People mess up when they're at their job. Teachers mess up. Everybody, police officers, everyone messes up. It's, it's not It's not like an indictment on, oh, my God, the refs missed a call. They're not the first one to miss a call. They're not going to be the last. Right, but, right. I, I mean, thought it was just a – I thought it was a football play. Like 10 years ago, like or maybe even less than that. That's the play of the weekend, man. That's the play everyone's like talking about. That's like, look at the effort of Daniel Sorensen. You know, Higgins dives and he dives too and knocks the ball away and gets his team back the ball. Like, whether you like the 
both rules. And I'm talking about the touchback rule where it goes to the defense and the helmet to helmet. Like, regardless of how you feel about those, that was just a great effort football play. Like, what is it? What is <laughs> Swanson supposed to do there? Like, exactly. I, I, Higgins gave himself up by or put himself in a vulnerable position by diving to the pylon. I mean, that's it. He put himself in a position where the defender had no real opportunity to make a stop there. And I mean, the football field's 100 yards for a reason. It's not 98 yards. It's not 99 yards. It's not where, oh, if you do this, that means you automatically gain these two yards for free because it's it's absolutely impossible for the defensive player to stop you if I dive head first because there's no other way. Like, Now, is there a chance that you don't hit him helmet helmet? No, but when a player is horizontal with the ground diving, the chances of a helmet-to-helmet contact contact regardless of the form it goes extremely up you know that it becomes extremely high and so i just don't i mean i would have been mad if there would have been a call because even though it's a proper rules because that means the defensive player is absolutely powerless there like there's nothing he could have possibly done except for maybe karate kick him feet first in the head and that would have looked even worse like (laughs) like i mean it's just Yes, we want players to keep safe, but it shouldn't all be on the defense. The offensive players have absolutely no absolute have absolutely no consequences for doing anything. Walford dives head first in that Rams Seahawks game, and Jamal Adams gets as low as he can and hurts his neck and hurts Wolford's neck because Wolford dove head first to a defensive player. Like, what's Adam supposed to do there? We see Kareem Hunt every time he gets into he literally drops his crown down and just bullies over. Like offensive players have can do whatever they want and i understand it's an offensive minded league and we want to see points we want to see touchdowns but you have to give the defense a chance and you're just giving the offense free yards by letting them dive head first and saying the defense can't do the same exactly that rule is controversial in in at every level i see it in, i see it in high school football obviously we saw it in, in the college football playoff and the regular season we everyone agrees that the targeting rule in, in college football is dumb that they should take the rule out of the, the consequences for targeting should be much different. And obviously, like you just said, football for defensive players have been that way for the past decade, if not longer, that they're making the games harder and harder to play defense every single year. That's why we're going to see these, these things happen every single game. So I don't get when fans, whether it be as your team or the opposing team, it's guaranteed to happen. There's going to be a call where probably head to heads involved and you're either going to be on the good side or the bad side. Now, for the Chiefs this week, we were on the good side. Now, if this happened next Sunday, we were on a bad side. We have no reason to complain because you know why? We just benefited from that call the week before. So it, it right. is what it is. As defensive players, you're taught to keep your head up. But in a situation like that, I can't dive with my head up, bro. Like, like you can try to, but you're not going to – the way you want to react and then tackle right. it and think about these moments in that split second, it's it's impossible to do those things in that, in that, split, in that split second because then you're going to let the play go by. And like you just said, they're going to score because you were thinking about playing the right way instead of finishing the play. Now, by the book – was that head-to-head contact? Yes. Should it have been called? Yes, but they didn't. They missed the call. They reviewed it. I was shocked they, they didn't call it because watching it live, I thought they were going to call it. I was like, okay, they're going to call it. They get the ball. We're going to try to get a stop. But if anything, we weren't going to give up a touchdown. I thought we were going to have a chance to at least try to get a try to get a three down and try to get the ball back. But they didn't call it. The football guys were on our side this week, Chiefs Kingdom. So there's no there's no reason to complain. We've been on the bad side of those calls. We all remember the the blatant missed call when Derrick Johnson smacked Marcus Murray oh, over the playoff game. And they call that incomplete when everybody in their blind grandmother knows that was not an incomplete pass. 
So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's yeah. missed calls every week, man, whether it be regular season, playoffs. It's guaranteed to happen. Just get over it. We all know that there's rules that need to be changed. We all been saying for years that the touchback rule is terrible. I've been saying that all the time. I hate the touchback rule because I think it's stupid. Like, why are you troubling me for trying to make a play and a defender hits it out of my hands? Fumble and, and touchback should be the exact same thing. In my opinion, I think it should just be spot, of the, spot where the ball was lost. That's my opinion. Yeah. But yeah. obviously, there's always been changes, whether it be overtime rules get changed when people get pissed off. So this time next year, we can see the rule get changed. There's always rules when it comes to third down and fourth down. There's rules when it comes to, um, obviously, when it's like less than two minutes, does the booth review it? Do we challenge it? Do we challenge PIs? And we took that away. So every year, there's always a call that someone's going to send to the office and the league office is going to vote on it when, it when it's getting ready for the new start of the new year. And this will probably be that call that they review this year about what do we do about the touchback rule. So it, it's going to get reviewed. Yeah. So um, they, And they're probably going to change it because they're going to see the clapback that everyone got from a primetime game of a big-time player like Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, and that call could have, quote-unquote, decided the game. So now yeah. if, that, if that game would have been even like – because even like remember that Saints-Rams game two years ago when Nikhil Robbie Cohen clearly hit the receiver for the Saints, and it was and yeah. his mouthpiece flew out his mouth and refed it. If they're not going to call that, what makes things they're going to call it? This one was just like that. It was, it was, it was obvious the play should have been called, but they didn't. It is what it is. So if they're not going to change it then, I don't expect them to change it now. So I'm just trying to – I empathize with them, and I understand. I don't want them people to think it's cheating. But at the end of the day, teams get home cooking all the time. Teams get calls. They miss calls. It's part of the game. But at the end of, like Baker said in the interview, like a mature leader, we still had plays to win that football game. We didn't make them. So at the end of the day, it is what it is. Yeah, no, I mean it's it is definitely it. You can, nothing you can nothing they can change about it. It happened. I think that rule should be the offense. If if there's no clear recovery by the defense, the offense should maintain the ball, but you move it back to the twenty. I'm fine with that. A spot of the ball, like, twenty or ten yard. Either way, I'm fine with that. Like but, if you fumble a ball out of bounds at anywhere else in the field, you get the ball where you fumbled it, or you know you can't get forward progress. You know exactly. if you fumble backwards, you get the ball there. If you fumble forward, you get the ball where you initially lost it. Um, I think that should be, you know, should be a little bit more extreme. If you if you fumble out of the back of the end zone and the defense doesn't recover, you get to keep the ball, but you have to go back to the twenty. I think that's I think that's the most fair thing. Even if they made it, you go back to the ten. I wouldn't argue with it. I think the twenty's better, but um, you know, that's that's neither here nor there. That's we'll let the NFL figure that out. We are kind of running out of time, so let's let's go over the Bills real quick and I know, you know, we are the aftermath, so the Browns game is priority number 1, but the Bills game was still is still uh coming up and a uh, third straight AFC Championship game for the Kansas City Chiefs. The only first time an AFC opponent has done that. The only other opponent or the only other team to do that was in the NFC and that was the Andy Reid Eagles from 2002-2004. Just kind of what are your thoughts on this game, man? Um Definitely a big game. I mean, coming into the playoffs, um, understatement there, bro. This is, I mean, the biggest, the next, the biggest game is always the next game. So, um, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, but I know me and Caleb talked about it. Me, you, and Caleb, we all talked about it on Twitter, like which teams offer the, um, the, the biggest problems, and that's why I said that we're going to face the two biggest teams that I thought were two out of the three. Um, I think I, I said it was going to be the, um, the Bills because of Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and that playmaking. Uh, I think Caleb agreed that the, the second biggest threat would have been um, Cleveland because of their run game. So those are the two teams we have to see. And then the third team I think we talked about would be in Pittsburgh because of that defense and their receivers and the way they could score before they fell off the railing. But this this was the team that I had the most concern with because of the quarterback play because Josh Allen took that next step. We all um, were wondering, is it Kenny, Kenny get to? And Stephon Diggs just took his game 
from Minnesota to Buffalo, done the same exact thing he can do, just took it to another level because he's given the opportunity. So um, those guys coming into our building is going to be um, must-watch television, get your popcorn ready. It's going to be a fun matchup. Um, obviously, both teams have exciting receivers. They have Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, John Brown. We have Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Nicole Harmon, Sammy Watkins is expected to play this week. I hope he does because he's been talking on Twitter. Uh, no quote this week. He's always talking, right? <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is is this personal for Sammy this week? I mean, he, he, he it should be it's, it's a revenge game, right? It's his former team. They let him go. Every yeah. game's a revenge game for some player. Know, like right? somebody's cross pass. Someone got overpicked by the team in the yeah. draft or something. There, you can make up, but you know, Sammy actually did get drafted by Buffalo. Actually, did get traded. Uh, but the thing you're talking about, Josh Allen, like this dude, like we knew he was athletic. We knew he had the arm. And Stephon Diggs definitely gets some of the credit here. But let me just break down what actually Josh Allen. In 2019, he he started all 16 games. He threw he had a 58.8 completion percentage, 3,000 yards, 20 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. Only 3,000 yards. One year, one year later, he they he threw the ball almost 130 more times, had 4,500 uh passing yards 37 to 10 interception ratio like that's just apt oh and, and a uh 69.2 completion percent that's the one that's important to me like 11 percent so increase in completion percentage is just absurd incredible job, in man. one year like this man, man like here here's a real conversation and again i don't know if we have time for this but i'm gonna ask it anyway if josh allen beats mahomes and goes and wins the super bowl it's he's he's in that conversation with Mahomes for the face of the face of the NML. If I'm am I wrong? Oh, facts. That wouldn't even be a question. I mean, if you go out there and you beat arguably the greatest quarterback in the in obviously the general consensus is that Mahomes is the best quarterback in the game right now. If you beat that guy and then you go be arguably the greatest quarterback of all time by people's opinion, being via Tom Brady because of the accomplishments or via talent by Aaron Rodgers, if you beat either one of those guys, plus you come off Mahomes, there's no question who the best quarterback in the game right now would be. It would be Josh Allen because he just proved it twice. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the only thing that that would that would if Mahomes doesn't play, then you can put an asterisk next to it. But here, like, if you if you're sitting here listening, thinking we're crazy, like we're not. Listen, Mahomes is uh, five and one in the playoffs right now. If he plays and loses to Josh Allen, he will be five and two. Josh Allen, if he wins the goes on and wins the Super Bowl, he will be four and one in the playoffs with a Super Bowl championship. If he gets the Super Bowl MVP and knocked off Mahomes, the only thing he will be missing in comparison is an MVP. Exactly. And he's still gonna finish top three in that this year. So like it sounds crazy just because of how high of a pedestal Mahomes is. I know this is a Chiefs podcast. I know that we type up the Chiefs, and I, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback. And I'm not saying if Josh Allen does this, I'm going to crown Josh Allen ahead of Patrick Mahomes. No way. But I'm saying the narrative, Chiefs fans, you better could quickly change. That's kind of what is on the line this game, and it's not really being talked about right now. Like there could be a actual quarterback controversy here if Josh Allen goes into Arrowhead and beats Mahomes this week. No facts, because I think the general consensus is that, like, obviously we look at the line right now, the Chiefs are favored by three. Obviously that's expecting that Mahomes is going to play. But obviously right. if the Bills came into their house and won that game, I don't like there are obviously people who are going to try to make excuses, like, for here or there. But the general consensus is that everybody was picking the Chiefs to come out of the AFC. Most people are picking right. them to win the Super Bowl, but almost everyone was picking them to come out of the AFC conference. So right. if – 
the Buffalo Bills come in here with Josh Allen, like a lot of guys that people thought that he couldn't even really be a talented thrower of the football because he was so inaccurate or his decision-making was trash, or guys like Nick Wright who says that he's going to make a crazy, a bad decision and he's not ready for clutch football. If he comes in the arrowhead and gets a dub, that changes everything. Not right. only for us, but for everything. The Bills organization who's been through turmoil for years, and obviously they have the legendary moment of, it's, it's a bad and good moment of going to four straight Super Bowls, but losing four straight Super Bowls. That would yeah. almost cover up for not all of the hurt, but a lot of the hurt for them to come into here and beat the golden boy, the standard right now, a Patrick Mahomes, yeah. beating a, a, a current Hall of Famer in Brady or Rodgers. That would change everything for Josh Allen's legacy. Absolutely. Yeah. He, he, his, his path would be <laughs> beating Philip Rivers, beating the 2019 MVP, beating the 2018 MVP, and either beating – the 2020 MVP in Rodgers or the GOAT in Tom Brady. Like, that what Josh Allen's path is. Like, that path um, is crazy. That's just absurd. That is an absolute absurd thing that would happen. And I'm, I'm not I'm not saying it will. I'm not picking it to will. But I just think that we need to put a little bit of light on to kind of what's at stake at Arrowhead this week. Like, no, Chiefs have a title to defend. And uh, they they have a contender. There's always going to be a contender every year. But this year, the first in this beginning stages of this potential dynasty, this is the first real obstacle. And they they need to conquer. Like they don't even need to win the Super Bowl. They need to beat Josh Allen to completely get rid of the narrative that uh, there may be someone else as good as Mahomes, a young quarterback as good as Mahomes. And I because I can't deal with that. I can't. I couldn't stand to listen to that for all offseason. No, that just drive me insane. No, they definitely need to get ready because, the, like you said, all the stats and the numbers show the jump he took from his rookie year to his sophomore year to this year have been incredible. And that's just a testament yeah. to him, his work ethic, his quarterback coach uh, Jordan Palmer, the front office for giving him Stephon Diggs. Um, uh, coach uh, uh, John Dable or Dable, the uh, offensive coordinator for the Bills, who's up for a lot of court, who's up for a lot of head coaching jobs. Everybody that gets a piece of the pie, but obviously Josh Allen gets foremost most of the credit because he took his game to another level. He locked in, he got better, he blocked out the noise, and he looks like a completely different quarterback from last year. So I don't get where this general consensus is that Josh Allen is not ready for big lights or he's not ready for the big moment. Every time I see him ready to make a play, he figures out a way to make a play. And I know everybody's going to put in stock and say he overthrew Stephon Diggs last week. It was windy. Nah, I mean, everyone misses throws. Yeah. yeah. So windy. Exactly. Like, we ran, we went. Just the Tucker missed two win. kicks. That's how windy he was. Bro, Tucker never misses kicks. He ain't missed kicks in years. He, bro, that's best back to back kicks in like literally, like literally years. He's never missed back to back kicks ever. Right. And the and the Bills kicker, I know he's a rookie, but Tyler Bass didn't miss very often his rookie year either. So, like, it was just, it was just a weird. He was. 28 of 34 from field goals, including missing three of those were from 40 or longer. So like he doesn't miss kicks either. And the fact that there were four combined kicks from those two just tells you like that was a hard game to throw the ball. No, facts. This but game here. is going to be a great matchup. Whichever defense uh, steps up and gets the, and gets, wins the turnover battle, obviously gets the most timely stops and frustrate the other offense the most. They're definitely going to win this game because I expect both offenses to score. Um, rightfully so because both quarterbacks are very extremely talented, full of weapons. And obviously right. neither defense is playing to the standards that they're used to. The Chiefs defense was um, a lot better than it was right now this time last year in the playoffs. And this Bills, so Bills though. last year they, way better. Yeah, they only they held Lamar Jackson and the Ravens to three points um, with that crucial pick six they, right before they tied it. Like, uh, Bill, Both defenses, numbers-wise, are middle of the pack, but both are playing better than their numbers suggest. But I still don't think that's enough to overcome how good these quarterbacks are. This is going to go down as our longest episode, but that's because there was so much to get into that we tried to pack it all in. 
Um, uh, you can also blame me for ranting about the quarterback sneak. Probably didn't need that, but, <laughs> um, let's, let's wrap it up. And what is, let's make our picks. We're making our picks, assuming that Patrick Mahomes is, it was just a pinch nerve. He's healthy. And there's really going to be no real setbacks from that. What's your prediction? My prediction. All right, buddy. They got the line set at three and the over under is 53 and a half. Yes, sir. Um, I'm definitely going to take the over. <laughs> oh, I think, right. I think both offenses are going to score. Um, there's no snow predicted next weekend, right? Not her As of right now, there isn't, but you know Kansas City. Man, so I'm going to do mine with Patrick Mahomes playing and no snow. Now, if stuff changes, I, cha- I get to change my pick. But for right now, obviously, you know I'm picking the boys. I'm picking the Chiefs, the Kingdom. You already know how that goes. Right, but right now, if I had to pick my score, I'm taking the over, and I expect the Chiefs to cover um, to win by a field goal. So I would say my score would be I'm going to go Kansas City Chiefs 31 Buffalo Bills twenty eight. Nice. That was. I thought you were gonna pick my. I have thirty four thirty one. So I'd have. I have I literally just that. an extra. I was like, nah, I was like maybe they. I have. A bit. <laughs> I have each team kicking an extra field goal than you. But uh, either way, I think like regardless, the consensus is this is gonna be a good game. I hope it's a good game. Um, it'll it'll be right after you know we get to watch the old men battle it out first, and then we get to watch the young guys. But I, I'm freaking excited for this man. It's just crazy. The Chiefs third straight year in this game hosting this game. No facts. It's, it's definitely gonna be a great game, man. The matchup is we couldn't have as fans, we couldn't ask for a better matchup of quarterbacks. You get the two legendary goats going against each other, then you have the two young guns going against each other. Both games should have decent weather. Obviously, there's possible snow for the frozen tundra in Green Bay and down here in Arrowhead. So, but either way, definitely we're gonna enjoy the weekend. Popcorn ready. Everybody's locked in. I'm definitely excited. I can't wait, man. Get your popcorn ready. Well said. Well, that we're going to wrap it up here. Again, as always, you can follow us uh, at Aftermath underscore KC on Twitter. Um, never miss a podcast episode when it drops. DJ, I'm getting to drop the episodes myself now, so we for sure know that they will be out on time. So always Tuesday, Tuesday, yeah, Tuesday mornings are the day to watch out. This we'll probably keep try to keep that as consistent as possible, even into the off season. CJ, where, where can the good people find you? Uh, people can read me at any socials, but I'm most active on Twitter at CJEEZY81. That's CGZ81. If you guys want to talk to me about football prediction scores, draft concepts, anything, I'm down to do it. Yeah, and that CJ is one of the best humans I know, so he will definitely hit you back if you hit him up. You can follow me on Twitter at tenpenny88 as well. I'm pretty active. I go in spurts, man. Like sometimes, some days I am on nonstop, other days I miss. But you just gotta try, and I will always try to do my best to hit you up. All right, we appreciate you listening. We can't wait to get in next week, win or lose. It's definitely going to be an exciting episode next week as well, and we cannot wait get into it. For the Aftermath Podcast, I am Christopher Tenpenny. He is CJ Jones. We will talk to you next time. Chiefs. To the Chiefs' kingdom, you guys are world champions once again. Woo! Thank you for listening to this episode of the Arrowhead Live Podcast Network. Go Chiefs!